Welcome to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Wave of Change podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with us. Today, we have a great interview. I'm interviewing Brie Russell from Girls Leading Girls. And you'll hear about how she took her love of soccer and turned it into an amazing organization that's serving hundreds of girls and teaching them leadership skills through soccer. Some of my key takeaways I want to point out before we jump into the interview. Um, I was astonished when Brie spoke about the lack of female coaches in soccer and also the lack of female referees. And I love that Girls Leading Girls is focusing on that issue. Um, it made me think back to my soccer career as a kid, and I realized, you know, I also didn't have any female coaches. And it's important for girls to have females that they can look up to and see themselves in. So I love that their organization is addressing that. Um, something else that was a takeaway for me that Bree mentioned was the fact that girls tend to leave sports at the age of 12. Um, you know, sports is really pitched to, to males as um, a potential career path, and it's not for females. And I love that her organization is addressing that. Um, so you'll hear her talk about that as well. And something we didn't actually discuss during this podcast, but I did want to call it out on their website. They mentioned that 94% of female executives played sports. And I think that's so important to call out. Um, you'll hear her speak a lot about how they're teaching leadership skills through soccer. And I think for a lot of us who played sports as youth, we really, we know that to be true. You know, through sports, you gain great skills of, of leadership and confidence, communication, teamwork. So I love that um, they're practicing that not only on the field, but also off the field, um, great life skills. So I hope that you enjoy this interview and I will let you get to it. Thank you again for being with us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bree, for being with us today. Um, why don't we kick off just having you introduce yourself and your organization? Sure. Um, my name's Bree Russell. I'm the founder and CEO of Girls Leading Girls. We are a 501c3 nonprofit that trains girls ages 5 to 17 in leadership, advocacy, life skills through soccer. And we do that with all women coaches and role models. And we serve over 700 girls every year, year round in the Bay Area. I love it. Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you came up with a concept of girls leading girls. Sure. So, um, I will two sort of things happened in my life. Oh, well, two, two things happened in my life that really led to the creation of girls leading girls. One, when I was 12 years old, it was a really tough time for me and soccer was my escape place where I could be myself, where I could be aggressive, where I could let out frustration, where I could leave life's hardships because it was tough at home um, and be recognized. And I was MVP and I was captain and I could just really let my natural full self shine and my coaches and teammates really supported me. So uh, if I didn't have that space, my life would have been totally different. 
And statistically, girls drop out of sports around age 12 because their confidence just plummets. Oh, interesting. There's this, yeah, there's this huge gap, this confidence gap with girls with uh, compared to boys. And that gap never closes when girls become women and adults. Hmm. And so we are constantly sort of, um, you know, catching up to men's confidence levels, which is interesting. It is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a lot of research on it. And so um, a lot of what we do is um, girl-centered uh, based on research, based on the holistic girl approach. So so that experience when I was 12, so I needed needed something for 12-year-old Brie. And I never had a female coach. And so that's that was part of the idea for me. And then the second thing that happened in my life was after college, I went in the Peace Corps. And I was in Vanuatu, which I don't know if you ever heard of it. I don't think I have. <laughs> yeah, it's in the South Pacific, small cluster of islands, very indigenous, rural. There was a survivor there. <laughs> it kind of gives people some reference. Oh, okay, got it. Um, so jungle vibes. Yes. Kind of. Okay. Very jungle island. There's a chief system. And so I went there. Um, and thought I would get to play soccer, the world sport. Well, only men played soccer there. And I had my soccer ball in my cleats and I said, hey, if I beat you, you have to let me play. <laughs> at first the men laughed and they were like, okay, let's, let's let her play. And I beat them. And uh, from there, other women in the village saw me playing and approached me and wanted to play. And so I, I formed a soccer team I got us, um, I raised money and I got us to go to this tournament that FIFA was hosting on a nearby island. And, awesome. the, and it was great for the girls, but the community was not um, happy about it. They didn't want us to go. They didn't understand why we were traveling to go play soccer. They thought we were going to find husbands. Um, the, the men were like, hey, we don't even get to travel. Take us, we wanna go. And I said, okay, maybe next time, but right now this is a, this is a women's tournament that, you know, we're going to this and right. uh, there's a lot of pushback, but we overcame challenge after challenge. And when we got there, we played on this volcanic ash sand in um, super humid, hot weather. The bottom of my cleats burned off oh, by the nice. end of the three days and we won. We got first place. That's and awesome. We, yeah, it was amazing. We we got this Wimbledon sized trophy. We didn't have any subs. Uh, we played our hearts out and we got a hundred dollars, which was a lot of money there. And so when we came back to our village, the community was waiting for us as we pulled up on the boat with flowers. They heard Aww. we won and they were there to congratulate us. And, um, the girls were like, we got to do a victory lap around the town. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, with the trophy. Um, and that's when the light bulb went off because now these women were seen as winners in mm -hmm. the community. Now people understood the power of sports, right? Like it's, there's an economic opportunity. There's um, perspective change, community empowerment. Palma was in the newspaper. Our village Palma was in the newspaper the next day Aww. with the picture of us winning this tournament. And so that's when the light bulb went off that, you know, sports are so much more than just a game. 
they transcend language, race, class, they build character, you learn so many life lessons. Like, it doesn't matter if you end up becoming an Olympic athlete because that's few and far between. Right. What matters, so it doesn't matter how many games you win or lose or who's the best. What matters is what you're learning along the way and how that's gonna help you in your adult career and life. And so, you know, we teach these girls all those lessons. It's not just about winning and developing skills, which we do, we focus on developing skills, but it's also about, you know, <clears throat> learning healthy peer-to-peer -peer relationships. We talk about body image, we talk about nutrition, we talk about advocacy for yourself. So yeah, that's the, those, those two, um, moments in my life were what really created girls leading girls i love that story um so you know this idea sparked when you're over in the peace corps and then you come home and how does that lead to like a bay area um focused nonprofit? yeah so i came i'm from the bay area so okay. i'm a Bay Area native and um i always knew i'd come back here because my family's here um i went to grad school after peace corps at university of san francisco studied international studies and that's where the idea of a nonprofit sort of came to mind because I started working for various nonprofits. Um, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So that was always there from day one. And I think that influence was from my grandpa was an entrepreneur, my cousin, my aunt was sort of like a freelance. So there was something within our family but also within me about creating something and building something of my own and being my own boss that i really was drawn to um and so i was playing soccer and then i started coaching on the side while i was um going to grad school okay and what's interesting is san francisco even though it's progressive and you know the bay area is progressive there were not there were not and there are still not a lot of women coaches um so i was one of the few and so parents started coaching and they were approaching me left and right will you coach my daughter will you coach this team and so i was getting more teams coming to me than i could handle myself and that's when i said okay i think it's time to make an organization there's clearly a need for women coaches there aren't enough and i can't do it all myself and i'm an entrepreneur so this this seems like the next right step and so it just kind of organically happened. I love that. Yeah. Within months, it just came together. It's interesting that you say that because I go back to my, well, what first I did soccer as a kid, but it stopped at 12. So it's yeah. interesting that you said that. But also like I go back to like that time period and I think it was mostly like the dads of girls on the teams. Like yes. I don't remember ever having a woman coach, which is not, I've never thought about it, but it's um, a good yeah. point that you make. And yeah, I, I feel like girls just gravitate to women too. Like they need that person to look up to. Um, like I think of my five-year-old daughter, she has a, a man coach for gymnastics and a woman coach for gymnastics. And she's like, gets so excited the day that she has her woman coach. Cause it's just, you know, girls need someone to look up to. I think it's important. Yeah. Representation matters. And our club program is called soul and it stands for see it, own it, lead it. And so it's helpful to have 
a role model to look up to that you can really identify with that you can see yourself through that's important exactly i will also say that you know we nothing against male coaches right i had right. Male coaches my whole life and a good coach is a good coach no matter what but it does help if you can have a good coach that is also representative of yourself because i just fell into coaching nobody told me i could coach and that's how most women end up coaching they were previous athletes themselves, mostly collegiate athletes, and then they just sort of fell into coaching. And there's, versus men, it's a career track to become a coach and go all the way up to the professional level. But for right. women, that, that didn't exist. And so I think that's a flaw. And so one way that we are tackling that is we have a junior coaches program where we train our girls starting in eighth grade if they want to they can become a volunteer junior coach mm. and they work alongside a head coach and they work with a younger team and they get to practice that skill and then eventually get paid when they turn 18 and we have a couple coaches now who were in our junior coach program and are now paid coaches while they're in college that's awesome i love yeah. that um and you you discussed this briefly but if you could just touch on um, the fact that you not only are coaching these girls in soccer, but also in leadership. Is that something that's done on the field kind of organically or um, is it something that, you know, there's like classes outside of the soccer field? Yeah, absolutely. So we do a combination where it is embedded in the curriculum on the field. And then there are some um, virtual or in-person workshops off the field outside okay. of practice. So for example, on the field, we will do games, activities that incorporate soccer. Um, so one is where uh, you blindfold your partner and they have a ball at their feet. And so we're working on communication. Mm -hmm. And the person without the ball and who's not blindfolded is communicating, helping this player get to the goal with the ball and to score. And so you, you work down the field with your partner. You can't touch them. You can only communicate with them and help them get their, their ball on the goal. And so that we're teaching them about, okay, different styles of communication, what works well, keeping composure, um, you know, trying to match the style of the person who has the ball. So these different aspects around communication and leadership. And so that's one way that it's embedded. Um, and then off the field, we do workshops, um, like we have an upcoming workshop with um, collegiate soccer coaches, women coaches who are coaching soccer right now at the college level. And they're gonna talk about opportunities mm. for, uh, for players post high school. Because a lot of people think, oh, if I'm not going to Stanford or Berkeley and playing division one, then I'm not playing college soccer. Well, there's so many other opportunities and things that you can do. It doesn't have to be that and nothing or right. nothing, right? And so we, uh, so it's like a little forum Q&A. So that's another example of leadership in a different way. Interesting. I love that. I love how you get, you weave it into the soccer too. So it's not like they're building on their soccer skills, but it's also building on, um, you know, leadership, communication, yeah. all that stuff they'll need moving forward. Um, and then how does the program work? You mentioned like 700 girls. Are they all, so are all your girls leading girls playing each other? Or are they actually like part of a San Francisco league? How does that work? Yeah. So we have, um, a couple different programs and the 736 girls that we reached last year, some of them were in multiple programs. Um, and so 
one program we do summer camps we okay. do um a free after school program where we partner with public schools low-income public schools in san francisco oakland and we go to them and we uh provide our program for a, a team of girls that attend that school and then we also create our own um between schools games so we have oh, like so the schools play each other so in that sense we are only playing against girls and girls but then we have another program which is our club program and that one is more competitive in the in we have recreational teams competitive and travel teams so we have a place for every girl at whatever level she wants it's totally up to her um and for that one we are in a league and we play in a local San Francisco league and we also play in the regional NorCal Premier League um, and so they play against other uh, competitive girls soccer teams that are usually coached predominantly by men or run by male-led clubs in the Bay Area. Um, and I know you mentioned some of your, your current coaches came up through the, the junior coach program but how did you find your other coaches just starting out when you were you know overwhelmed by ass of people asking you to coach their daughters? How did you kind of reach out to others? Well, first, um, well, since I was going to grad school at University of San Francisco, I was also playing on the club soccer team, the women's club soccer team there. So I asked everyone on that team. So yeah. that's how I got coaches there. Love it. And um, once I like, you know, totally saturated that <laughs> group, I, um, I just, I, you know, did marketing i uh i was accosting any woman i saw that looked like she might want to coach or if she was out playing a sport I, it didn't matter because we have created a really good training program for our coaches nice so it keeps them in the game longer and we mentor them and we give them all the tools and resources we have the curriculum we have the equipment we have trainers staff trainer staff that support the coaches and help them reflect on you know what worked well what didn't work well, what what can we improve and then we also do professional development um, lots of ongoing trainings every month with our coaches um, and i think that is one of the keys to keeping women coaches because it is a huge barrier for us we could have more girls but what's holding us back is not enough women coaches and mm. the barrier is largely psychological um, women for whatever reason think that they can't coach or the barriers that we face are, um, you know, like the referees are, are usually all male, the opposing teams are male. And then you have the parents and the pressure and the, um, aggressiveness from these different groups of people is intense and it can mm. turn a lot of women away. Um, I mean, I've got into verbal arguments with all of those groups many times or referees will come up to me and say where's your coach i'm like i'm the coach that's really you think crazy. i'm a trader <laughs> or you think i'm a parent I'm that's a crazy wow and the opposing coaches do the same thing and then we play against other clubs and teams where you know the male coaches are stuck in an old traditional model where they're yelling at the players nonstop. they're berating them it's negative reinforcement uh, it's awful. What do you think the key is like, just curious, you mentioned like all the referees are males, which that's another paid job as well, yeah. right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think like the key is to getting, I mean, obviously you're doing it, but getting more women referees and, you know, kind I of breaking say, that yeah. standard. Yeah. Like it's going to take time, but it it's going to take a lot of effort from multiple people. You know, like we're doing our part. Everyone needs to do their part. And so number one is teach them young. So like we're doing the junior coaches program, start them early with thinking that they could be in a leadership role in the game, even as a 12 year old. And then that will help them develop the confidence to keep doing it into their adult life. So that's number one. And then number two is create an environment that is conducive to keep women in it. Okay. And so that's going to take more education, educating parents on how to treat referees because they're still treating them terribly. That's awful. Um, And educating other club leaders to instill this philosophy of respecting the game, respecting the refs, respecting the coaches. Uh, And then, yeah, breaking down educating people around stereotypes. Women can be coaches. Don't ask me if I wear my coaches. Like don't make that's an assumption. That's a stereotypical assumption. Right. So those all those things need to be broken down and reframed. Otherwise, women are constantly going to feel like, "Oh, this isn't this environment is not safe for me." Right. Yeah. And we're not going to put up with it. So we're just not going to do it. Right. Yeah interesting i'd love to hear um you know thinking back on your first starting the organization what was like the first time you really felt like you know your first like success story like oh this is this is working i i have something here i think um i think when we did the after school program or um that's a good question. I have to think about that one, but I, I would definitely say probably the, the, okay, so just two things come to mind. And one is we had a player who came to us, her name's Nora, um, because she didn't like her other club and she quit playing for like a year. She mm. stopped playing and she's a really good player. She's very athletic really good player and this is a really good club that she left um and she stopped playing for a year and one of her friends was on one of our teams and her friend convinced her to come play with us and she played with us and instantly loved it great fit she stayed with us for um five or six years and through high school um i mentored her and through high school she got a mvp or golden glove award so she's a goalie oh, two years in a row while she was in our club in, in her high school league. And um, she became a junior coach as well. Um, she was on our, she was voted on our junior board. We have a junior board as well that the girls vote players to be on. Aww. And she just uh, really blossomed and she didn't have the resources. Her family was not, she was on scholarship with us. Her family was not involved. Uh, her mom was often out of the country. Um, so she, and she was most of the time had, had to take care of her own siblings too. Hmm. And so to see her stay with our program thrive 
increase her skills to the point where her high school league and there were some hard teams in her league um and then have her go on through the junior coaching she's now a paid coach and she's playing in college here at um sf city college and i had the coaches from that city college come and watch her play in one of her high school games so oh, that's awesome she's like a full full circle but i would say when she first came and then told us how much she loved it and it felt like a family and that the coaches cared and how that was so different from her previous team and that she almost stopped playing altogether so that first year with us um seeing that shift and her communicating that was like oh wow okay this is working and i don't want to lose girls like norma nora i don't want to lose girls like nora who might drop out and not come back to the sport because of one bad experience and around that time when they have that hard time yeah it's interesting because just like as you were saying how these girls drop out like she just she wouldn't have gone on to be mvp and play in college and be a coach um if it wasn't for your organization exactly like she she might have just stopped altogether and lost that uh love for the game and lost that confidence and lost the skill mm. um i saw that you guys are now it looks like in several california cities how has that gone how have you been able to expand the the program yeah so um we're expanding locally and we are doing it based on the needs of the city so not all programs are in every city for example oakland the way that we expanded there was through the free after school program based on need and um, connections with schools and other nonprofits there and then we added summer camps but we don't have a club program there and then in marin county we are expanding with summer camps. So we did mm. summer camps that we haven't done the free after school program or the club program yet. Um, and so the model will be replicated based on, you know, the need of the city. We are getting a lot of requests from other cities. So people, That's all exciting. kinds of coaches and parents contacting us from Chicago, LA, San Diego, Denver. And so it's been hard to keep saying no and so we're trying to um, figure out the best way to expand outside of Northern California is the next sort of iteration of what we're doing. That's exciting, though, that there's the demand. It's just, you know. Yes, there is trying a to figure out, figure out the logistics. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part is scaling, which is always the hard part in any business. Because right. scaling is there's a lot of growing pains. There's a lot of, you know, cost benefit. And there's going to be a lot of trial and error and a lot of learning lessons. Um, I'm curious, like as a 501c3, do you have to do any fundraising or um, are you like funded through your programs? How does that work? Um, there's no requirements in terms of being a 501c3 nonprofit, but we do fundraising. Um, we, we get funding through program fees, like the summer camp program people pay. Uh, in the club program, people pay various levels. We do have players on scholarship in both. And then the after school program is totally free, but the schools pay us um, with contracts. So that's how we, we fund 
majority of our work, but then we also supplement with fundraising to help cover additional costs for scholarship players, financial aid, our free program. Um, and we do that through writing grants. We do some fundraising events. We have individual donors. Um, sometimes we'll get corporate sponsors for stuff. So yeah, so we do a little bit of fundraising. Nice. Um, so the pandemic kind of threw a wrench in everything. I'm kind of, I'm curious how um, it affected your programs and how you guys had to pivot. Yeah, COVID was interesting. Um, in the beginning when it hit March, 2020, we had to close down all in person and we moved quickly to virtual. We were one of the first people to actually make that shift uh, within like two weeks. We pivoted and did um, a virtual program uh, where the teams met with their coaches on Zoom. And then um, they did some soccer, like individual soccer skills in their okay. own space. And then we also talked about leadership um, topics too. So we got to dive a little bit deeper in the leadership topics, but. Um, and then they worked a lot more on individual skills. And then we created like um, asynchronistic uh, videos too for them to practice at home on their own. We gave them uh, handouts to do. And then summer 2020, we were allowed to go back in person, but it was socially distanced. So again, we were doing a lot of individual skills. People, everyone was wearing a mask. We had to stay six feet apart so we couldn't scrimmage. Um, so we were doing that in the summer of 2020 and that sort of continued that model continued in the fall. And then it was the following year that we were able to, okay, now you can scrimmage, but you still have to wear masks. So we, we were able to adapt and luckily the, the restrictions weren't keeping us from playing. We just had to wear masks and do all the like protocols. We were checking temperatures and if right. anybody did test positive for COVID, then we had to close down that pod. So we had pods and that whole thing. Um, but really it was only one that first season that was the most impacted where we had to, we couldn't be in person. Yeah, it sounds like it was only a couple months too where yeah. you guys were like fully virtual, which is, that's good. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about like, what are you excited about, about the future when it comes to um, the organization? I'm excited about our our growth like i was saying about the expansion and, and bringing this to as many girls and women as possible um, throughout the world we also do international community service trips and that's finally oh, coming back this summer we're going to costa rica again uh, where the girls run like a free um, soccer camp uh, at an orphanage and then they also play soccer so we take players and coaches and we have, I think we have 18 people going this summer to Costa Rica. Um, wow. So I, I could see us doing more international work as well and, and bringing that, cause we went to Nicaragua, we went to um, France we, for the Women's World Cup. Oh, that's awesome. 2019. Um, and so next year the Women's World Cup is in New Zealand. So planning to go there. So yeah, I think more international travel is in the in the works for the future along with that expansion and growth um and then i'm excited to see more of our junior coaches become paid coaches and really see that model come full circle and work its way out so that there's more women 
coaching the game and paying it forward and helping that next generation. Do you still um, communicate with the community that you worked in for the Peace Corps? Like, are you still in communication and are it's they still hard. playing soccer? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to communicate because um, they didn't really have, you know, there was no electricity or no running water, that kind of thing. Um, and so I would write letters, but it costs money for them to send letters back. Mm. Um, same if you call, like I can call, but then for them to call me back, it costs them money. Um, they have to buy like a calling card. Uh, so because the technology is not really there, it is hard to stay in touch. Um, I do hope to go back and visit next year when I go to New Zealand for the World Cup because it's only a couple hours from New Zealand. That'd be awesome. And take some yeah. of your girls and yeah. <laughs> have yep. a soccer match there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So that is also something I'm looking forward to. Uh, a full circle, you know, like ooh, over 10 years later, we're back. I'm back. And hey, look what look at my experience here brought to the world. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, I'm so just going to open it up to you. How can people listening help? Yeah. You know, we, um, one, we're always looking for women coaches. Um, and as we expand into different cities, we would love to get more women involved in other areas to help them create a branch of girls and girls in their city. So if they're already coaching or if they know a coach or if they want to coach and start their own program of girls and girls, we're definitely looking for affiliates um, to work with to do that all over the U.S. And then two um, donations, you know, as a nonprofit, uh, we are running at cost. And so it is helpful to get individual donors to help cover the cost of our free after school program, players that are on scholarship in our club program, players like Nora. Um, help cover their their expenses to be able to play. Awesome. And then um, where can people find you? Girlsleadinggirls.org um, is our website. And then our Instagram is girlsleadinggirls. So, uh, and they can also email me or email us at info at girlsleadinggirls.org. Awesome. And I'll put that all in the show notes too. Great. Uh, okay, so rapid fire questions. These are fun ones. Um, your favorite place in the world and be specific as possible. Bali. Where specifically in Bali? Uh, Ubud. Um, we there, my sister and I went there after reading Eat, Pray, Love. And also when I ended my Peace Corps term, we were so close to Bali. I was like, meet me there and let's, let's travel around. And we totally followed the book and we met Cotetlier the actual guy. I don't know if you read the book, but, um, I saw the movie, didn't read the book, okay. but yeah. that's but, awesome. Uh, yeah. And we went to, um, his actual, you know, house and he read our palms and, um, it was an amazing trip. And I love Bali. It's just so full of culture. The people are kind, it's safe. It has everything. Awesome. Love that. Um, what show are you currently binge watching? I just finished watching season two of Bridgerton. And, yeah. then I, and then I just started watching um, We Crashed about the founder of WeWork. <laughs> Same. I just started that one, too. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really interesting. I'm, I'm learning some things from it. I'm like, oh, he, um, he was smart about finding the right people, which is actually one of the key things that I've learned as a founder. And number one is find the right people. Yeah, surround yourself with the right people, right? Yeah, to help you 
grow to, to hire hiring the right people it makes all the difference totally yeah i love that um last book you read um uh, getting stoned with savages and it was um it's a book about this guy who went to vanuatu oh, and cool. it's fictional um but it was it was fun to read i read it before i went to vanuatu and i just reread it again because i'm like uh, reliving some of my Vanuatu times. So oh, love that. It's like you can be there, but yeah, while yeah. you're in the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then how do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee anymore. I drink um, chai tea lattes. A lot healthier. Oh, milk. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, drinking coffee before when we were trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so did I, and then I'm back on the coffee. I wish. Yeah, I could I'm sure. Over. Go back on it soon because I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> um, and then your favorite quote, last question. Ooh, favorite quote. Um, one, I, it's kind of like my own and it's one of our internal mottos. It's um, done is better than perfect. And I'm very much like one of my core values is efficiency and um, I'm not a perfectionist. I like to get things done and I like to be productive and um yeah so i would say done is better than perfect yeah sometimes we can not do things because we're scared that we won't do them perfectly but it's just better to attempt and get it done yeah. especially women i know yes. like oh, get do all the research you got to get it all like perfectly wrapped otherwise i'm not putting it out there because i don't want to get criticized right <laughs> yeah love that well thank you so much brie it's fun yeah. talking with you thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to Waves of Change podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Lara. I would love if you would follow or subscribe our podcast, or would you leave a rating or review? Five stars is our favorite. That would help others find us, and we'd really appreciate it. If you are active on social media, please follow us at Waves of Change podcast on Instagram. Even more, if you would share this episode on your stories, that would be wonderful. If you have suggestions or want to recommend an organization I should interview, email us at wavesofchangepodpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you. I'll see you next time.